Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. So, Simon, welcome to CTO Confession, sir. It's great to have you on board. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Brilliant. So tell the audience, who are you? What do you do and who do you work for? So my name is uh, Simon. I'm uh, original uh, from Denmark. I've grown up in France um, and lived many years in Germany, Berlin, um, and now based in uh, Cape Town, South Africa. Um, I've been a CTO for endless amount of years, 25, 30 years now, who's counting. Um, and it all started with me um, founding a few startups, some more successful than others. Yeah. Um, and the most successful one actually required um, a larger engineering team um, than what I could you know, produce myself. And I quickly figured out that I both enjoyed um, managing and leading, hiring, building teams, um, and, and we're much better at that than actually code. Um, so I retracted myself from uh, being yeah. hands-on and, uh, and quickly um, kind of delegated that to, to people that were much more uh, capable than me. Mm, that's great. So the company that you're working for, what's the problem that it's solving? So um, Ultimate, as it is called, <laughs> is uh, working in customer support, which um, is a very difficult field as it is attracting a lot of traffic for very successful uh, companies, but is also attracting very repetitive tasks. So what we do is that we're automating those repetitive tasks of repeatedly answering questions around how you reset your password, um, where's my package, um, how do I cancel a flight ticket, etc. Yeah. Um, and we do that either through emails or through chatbots where you have a conversation like uh, with our uh, virtual agents, as we call them. Fantastic. And I've used some of these tools and uh, varied experiences of, of, of using that. So in terms of your product that you offer out there, what's the what's the kind of under the under the hood? What, what are you doing that kind of sets your company apart from from other automation tools? So I think the, the the capabilities of understanding multiple languages and mixing them is one of our key strengths. And um, the other aspect is the strength of understanding what the, the, uh, the users are actually writing and acting upon that. Mm. And also enabling the virtual agents to actually do actions on behalf of the user. So um, we can cancel, we can track packages, we can reset passwords. So these things are tasks that normally a virtual, uh, not a, like a, a real human would need different mm. back office tools to do. And we're basically naming those uh, virtual agents, bots to do that um, in, during the conversation. So they can actually, beside just understanding your problem, they can also act on a solution and help you um, move forward. 
Fantastic. I love it. I'm kind of engineering me. It's kind of getting curious around how you kind of train up these systems. Because obviously there's a there's a learning curve uh, for the thing to be able to help and find those automation opportunities in the in the in the customer flow or customer journey. How do you kind of go about that? I'm I'm really curious as how you you find those. So that's a really good question. Um the areas that are worth automating are areas that are very repetitive. That comes across as mm. um, a significant portion of the traffic. Let's say you have a password reset flow that isn't very easy to find or to understand or that um, your packages often get delayed for some odd reasons. Mm. Um, these things, we're able to identify them as areas to automate and to build dialogues together with the customers. Right. So often we find that the customer agents are answering the same questions again and again or working with the same problems. Mm. And that's the areas where we find that it's obvious to try to automate that. So we build dialogues around that. Let's mm. say if it's a package that you need to, to be able to find, we, we're able to identify requests um, from the end user mm. and build a flow kind of a dialogue, taking them through the different steps. We maybe need uh, a way to authenticate them. Then we need an order number. Mm. And then we'll need maybe an integration into um, back office tracking the status of the package and the order. And yes. these things are worth investing a little bit of time and engineering into because mm -hmm. then it will be used several hundred times, maybe the, um, during the day or during the week uh, for the most successful companies. Fantastic. I love it. I can imagine there's lots of use cases and maybe use cases that don't always get discovered, misuse cases. Um, how, how does your kind of system deal with that? Does it, what happens if, like, for example, a case, uh, a path that's not covered by the automation? What, what happens then? Then there's often an escalation to a human. So you, you often will be putting the, uh, the bots as a first line of defense, taking the most repetitive and, and predictable cases and then freeze up time for the humans, as we call them, that mm -hmm. used to deal with those aspects beforehand, but now they can concentrate on the much more complicated and advanced topics that requires that basically a human's attention. Fantastic. It's kind of augmenting there. That it's augmenting those kind of people that are going to support. Absolutely, yeah. So it's people often think that we're replacing humans, but that's very rarely the case. We're freeing them up and giving them time to concentrate on the difficult situations and, and customers that actually really require um, attention fantastic so simon i'm going to put the spotlight on you now okay i'm really interested in how you roll as a leader how do you roll as a leader what's your kind of style oh um that's a it's a broad question but i believe that's a certain um significant aspect that um could identify me as the leader that i am and i'm very much eager to build teams that functions nicely together. So small, small, efficient uh, teams that act very much like smaller startups where they have a great time solving hard problems and where they have the freedom to mm. do so we, without too much intervention and, and micromanagement from the upper C-level or from their leadership. Cool. I love it. Um, so, so building independent autonomous teams with strong individuals that have the skills needed to solve the issues um, is very much how I, I, I define my leadership, right? So 
there's requirements to, to, to getting into the team. You need to have the skills and the handcraft needed to, to do the job, but you also need to be able to function as a team member in a bigger setting. So you're not hired as an individual, but you're hired as a potential team member. I love that perspective, Simon. I love that. And there's a part of me that is very passionate about this. Okay. How do you create cross-functional self-organizing teams, which is the holy grail of many, many kind of uh, companies, not just in the tech space, but across the organization. So any tips that you've got for our audience out there about how you bring that about? Because it's an art. It's not It's not an X, Y, and Z formula, is it? No, and it's it's definitely um, not an easy task because at the end of the day, all these teams, as autonomous as you want them to be, they need to come together in some form to deliver mm. one product or be one company from the outside, right? So they need to be able to deliver pieces of that organization, of that product autonomously, but also, you know, in coordination with the other teams. And I think finding the right balance where you slice and dice autonomy and, and dependencies with the other teams is definitely um, a difficult exercise. Yeah. But just cool. as you are a team member that needs to work nicely within your closest team in a smaller unit, mm -hmm. that attribute, you need to be able to scale that and you need to be able to, to explain to those teams that they have deliverables, they have customers that are not necessarily end user at the end of the day, but they might be um, other teams that need to be serviced um, and you need to consider their um, their needs, their situations, etc., to be the yeah. best team inside a bigger organization. Right. It's kind of an orchestration. You're like the kind of composer, making sure everything's kind of running well. So I can imagine you've got a long journey here. You've got a really interesting journey and you've worked with kind of uh, various size companies. Any any things that you've learned through, um, you know, making mistakes and what, what were your lessons from them? Anything that kind of strikes you as a really good lesson for our techie leader uh, audience out there? I think one of them is probably around technologies, thinking that um, the choice of technology could give you a competitive edge that it just doesn't. So having too much focus on java versus scala versus other things having discussion about frameworks etc and 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 having a purpose very much centered around the technology for the sake of the technology yes. i think is is a big distraction at best mm -hmm. um and i think many average technologies can create a really really great um product um seen from the user's perspective yes Obviously, certain technologies solve problems better than others, but I think keeping the focus on the real problem and not necessarily so much on the technology um, is definitely some of the bigger learnings. Not denying that some technologies is a better tool um, mm. for the engineers, but I think um, that's a different discussion, kind of the developer experience about how you ship product from your machine to production as quickly and easily as possible. Mm -hmm. It's a better discussion around the tooling than the frameworks and the technologies um, that um, you see in many, many companies where you see, you know, a battle between different backend developers, different databases, etc. Yes. that is completely pointless. I hear you. I hear you. And being an engineer myself, I kind of understand the attraction of why people run down that rabbit hole uh, because we're interested in technology. We're interested in and maybe learning new technologies as well. You know, the kind of next shiny, bright thing over there. So as a leader, how do you persuade or maybe uh, redirect engineers um, that do get kind of go down that rabbit hole? 
More, I'm not denying that technologies can solve certain efficiency problems and, and, and tooling, et cetera. Um, I just need the discussion to be focused on those problems. And mm. are we sure that we want to solve these problems instead of maybe solving user-related problems? At times you do, right? Because at times you can be so inefficient and be mm. so slow at shipping code because of your tooling and the framework that you're utilizing. Or it can be a difficult tool set to hire too because it's just outdated or very niche in the market um having the problem at hand um, and and in sight is just very important and and figure out that if we spend time focusing and and solving that instead of solving a user's problem or a, a customer's problem um it is a trade-off we cannot do both at the same time that's great that's great and here you go is a is an interesting question for you as a as a tech leader because i know tech leaders roles are very, very challenging. You know, you're having to deal with what's happened in the past and what's going on in the future in terms of that technology. What's the thing that keeps you up at night, Simon, you know, as a tech leader? I think the balance between the different decisions that you are making um, or you have to make as a leader um, mm. or the ones that your closest leadership team has to make and supporting them. And 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 ultimately, you're measured as a leader in in, in the ratio of good and bad decisions that you're taking mm. um, is probably what I would be worried the most about because at some point you just don't have time to gather more data to prove your point mm. in a scientific way. It's very mm. many, many, many situations require you to, to take a decisions quicker um, than, than good is because a, a bad decision is better than no decision. Yes, absolutely. I can, I can feel that kind of pain because everything's moving fast, especially in the technology field. You know, I often mention that we live in an innovation storm, okay, and things are moving fast, things are changing constantly. Um, and, and do you kind of use any uh, particular strategies to actually help you make those decisions quicker, you know, or they literally what feels right at the time? I try to delegate decisions to where the pain is felt the most. So if you have teams that's really really sitting with and um, let's say to get back to the technology really sitting with a, a persistent storage issue a messaging queue issue let them take the decision ensure that the decision is being taken but make sure that the right people are taking that uh, that decision um, okay. and decentralizing decision to have as many decisions happening simultaneously and as fast as possible and then i think as a leader your your, your job becomes to, to limit the 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 um the damages of potential bad decisions right so having mm -hmm. quicker uh, smaller decisions is better than having one big decision that could potentially just collapse the whole team yes. or the whole product right i love that the idea of breaking down decisions into kind of smaller chunks so you you are moving and you're making those decisions i love that that's a really nice takeaway for myself so working with these teams i imagine that you're working remotely are you a remote first company we are a remote first, at least remote friendly company, but in the IND team, definitely a remote first uh, department, I would say. Um, yeah. So a, a large majority, 50, 60% of the team are outside of our hubs. So yeah, I would say really, really remote first team. Fantastic. And, and what's the kind of challenges you're finding, finding right now? Because we work remotely as well. Um, I'm kind of curious as a tech leader, what you spot in the space and maybe what you do to kind of maybe mitigate that. 
I think it's it's difficult to get a feeling of a larger team. I think um, you work remotely, you you work exclusively, and you interact with your closest team, and that ping pong, you know, with your five, six, seven direct mm. um, interaction works brilliantly. It's really, really nice. It becomes you know your second nature. You you, you don't even need to have a call, right? You you can just have a, a quick slack and, and people yes. would know what you mean, et cetera. It's a very strong dynamic, but the, the bigger picture and the sense that you are part of a bigger um, adventure mm-hmm. is more difficult to, to grasp because you don't get this visual aspect of a big company. You walk into the city center, you see, see the big tower with your, the mm-hmm. name of your company on, um, you walk on to your yeah, floor, you see a huge floor with yeah. hundreds of people buzzing and, oh, wow, shit is really happening here. <laughs> a, a lot of things going down. Yes. Um, you don't get that impression when you turn Slack on, right? You see a lot of activities, channels that might not necessarily directly impact you. Um, so having that sentiment uh, and being able to to foster a sense of, of community and, and belonging is different, definitely one of the bigger challenges working remote. As efficiently as it is, mm. as challenging it is to also to build kind of a, a strong belonging as a bigger team, you know, as a department where you feel that, wow, it's a great engineering team doing a lot of great stuff. Although mm. I'm not involved in everything, I'm part of a bigger, bigger story. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I mean, it is challenging, you know, that, and again, you know, offline, we spoke around that kind of sense of belonging. And, uh, and as leaders, we've got to try and create that somehow, or, or at least create the conditions for that to emerge, you know, in the space. And being somebody that's quite experienced in working with various companies and being in startups and what have you, I'm really curious around what are the foundations for growth of a company? Because all startups want to grow. They all want to, you know, are there any building blocks that you've seen and spotted that you think we really need that as part of our foundations to create the higher likelihood of success? Um, yes, I think you, you need a clear um, organization and a clear way of structuring your teams that, that scales um, mm. and you need to be able to communicate that to, to your, your team so they know what are the potential next steps, both for my team, but also for me personally, career-wise, personal growth. Mm. Um, is there a way for me to, to be promoted, et cetera? So they need to be able, just as you as a leader, you have a a few options on how the team will evolve depending on the needs of the business that also needs to be installed into the individual so they know ah when this team is outgrowing its ideal size it actually means good opportunities it's not the end of you know my friendships with my co-workers but it means great opportunities and it, it is a good thing so having a continuity in the team's evolution for for each team member, each group to see that this is a potential next thing that could happen. Mm. If everything goes well, if you know, if the if the business meets its revenue targets, etc., that I think is very fundamental. So you are the leader is not the only one having an understanding of how the team is evolving and growing, but that it's it's a, a common knowledge almost I would say that yes. this is potentially happening. These are the potential roles coming up. These are the p- potential career paths. You can become, you know, a specialist or you can take on the career leadership um yes. role. Um all this uh, is much, much easier if 
you know, if it's a distributed and common knowledge in the in the team. I love that. Because a change is obviously quite painful for people and it worries people. It gets them into kind of like psychological unsafety mode, you know. Um, and I love the idea of how you present to people this is the path forward. And, you know, I, I guess it allows people to self-organise into that as well. People can step up and go, well, I'll be really interested in that, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's 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 so much in especially in the startup world that is so unpredictable. So the more you as a leader can make predictable uh, and consistent, the better mm -hmm. it is, right? So the very unpredictable customers or the market, um, you know, you reduce those elements to the minimum. But internal mechanics of how we organize ourselves. Um, our values, things where you actually have the full control, make that predictable, consistent. So at least that isn't something that will keep people awake at night. You know, you make career paths, mm. performance reviews, all these make it as predictable and consistent as possible. So they know what they've, they've got. And obviously the things that are not under your full control as a leader, as a company, you would deal with that, but then at least, you know, anything about salary discussions and others that has been taken care of in in, in, a, in a proper manner. I love that, creating that predictability in the space on the path going forward. Great takeaway. Really focus on, on, on what really is worth uh, spending your, your kind of your awakening hours on. Yes, I love it. That's great. So as we come towards the closing arc of our time together, unfortunately, Simon, I've got some nice warm questions to ask you. Tech leaders or aspiring tech leaders out there, okay, that would love to follow your path and maybe, you know, even experience some of this. Any advice to those aspiring leaders as to ways in which they can make their journey easier and more interesting? Um, I think if you enjoy thinking in systems and 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 it's very similar to code, right? Is but it's very, on the same at the same time also very different, right? good aspect if you're a great engineer code that is predictable consistent behaving um nicely in production that is easy to monitor etc this is actually the same attribute you want of your bigger engineering team right you want of them have them operate nicely without you needing to be there all the time you want them to be able to take decisions without you um you want them to be uh, predictable in the way that they operate and take decisions um and i think if you enjoy setting things in systems that is a good sign that you are on the right path if you do not enjoy having people worked you know and and or if you don't enjoy putting people to work together and 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 enjoying fixing the issues of collaboration then i think it's it's it is maybe not the right field right but it it is um not always easy to figure out why teams ain't working and why you would you know what you would need to do to to maybe debug that to kind of keep this engineering aspect on, yeah. uh, on the mechanics that's right, because human beings are very complex. We have a habit of uh, throwing spanners in the work very creatively, right? Creative spanners in the work. Great advice there. And are there any books or films or things that have helped you along your journey that really inspired you? Maybe even other fellow leaders. Um, I don't have any books on top of my mind right now, but I think having a very strong um, fundamental understanding of technology as a leader, you know, things that do not change every other six months 
are really, really good to have. So understanding the fundamentals of how the internet, how networking, how cookies, mm. encryption, and databases, um, different design patterns and architecture. I think mm. that is really convenient to have as um, as a fundament for your for your discussion with engineers to understand why are they heading, why are the struggles, what you you don't necessarily need that knowledge to solve the issues, but you, mm. you need that to be able to be to function as a proper soundboard um, yes. and as a sparing partner so you're able to direct them in in the proper direction. And you also need that to decide if if it's actually worth their time to focus on that problem right so you so you, there's always this aspect of potato sizes where they can maybe over engineer something that's just not worth their right. time or they yes. can actually forget something that is actually really really important and i think without having a fundamental understanding of technology you you will have issues um guiding them in the right direction ah uh, yeah i hear that yeah as, as an engineers again we kind of jump into stuff and start solving stuff but i love this idea of as a leader you need to see the bigger picture the landscape and how you're gonna absolutely how you're gonna, um, and, and be able to kind of uh, again orchestrate people to focus their energies where it's going to have the most impact so here you go simon i've got a really nice fun warm question for you and it's me being the tech genie i'm going to offer you a wish for your leadership for your company for your culture or market what would you wish for I think my biggest wish could probably be if you could solve the the slightly broken aspect of hiring. Um, I think many tech companies, startups, they all look the same from the outside, seen from an engineering um, perspective. Um, and I think many companies are looking for the exact same profiles, but not necessarily getting um, a true picture of what the the individual is contributing with or is capable of during the hiring process so i think it feels that many are taking some sort of a slightly bigger bet than they wish both from the company side of but also from the individual um once they decide to work together if there was an easier way a better way of assessing um the different opportunities for an engineer on mm. an easier and more straightforward way of assessing the skills and capabilities of an engineer without having 10 interviews and homework, et cetera, um, making that a, a more transparent and open um, uh, marketplace somehow. That would be wonderful. Brilliant. I love it. I'm going to work on that because I've got a feeling there's a lot of other tech leaders that are looking for the same wish. And I will try to solve that for you, Simon. So as we come to the full stop of the podcast together, what key takeaway would you like to gift our tech leader audience out there listening to this podcast? For me, it's always been essential and crucial to think teams first um, and think what's the most important for the teams, not necessarily for the individual or for the company. I truly believe that what empowers the teams uh, results in the best product, in the best code and the best architecture um, and really thinking teams first how do teams work nicely together um, ownership is on a team level not an individual uh, kpis especially should also be on on team levels and, and keep teams accountable um, and give them the ownership and, and think less on an indi individual level brilliant great takeaway i love that and i and i totally align with it as well so thank you for your time, Simon. It's been great having you on CTO Confessions. And I look forward to hearing about the success of your company in the future. Thank you for having me. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you. 
And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture, and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favorite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well, and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.